I find it a little difficult to say what the subject matter is going to be because it's too fundamental to give it a title. I'm going to talk about what there is. See, I'm a philosopher and I'm not going to argue very much because if you don't argue with me, I don't know what I think. So if we argue, I say thank you because though going to the courtesy of your taking a different point of view, I understand what I mean. Hello and welcome to the Last Turtle Podcast. On today's episode, I have a conversation with Jacob Gottwalls, who is a longtime meditator and a psychotherapist who created a website called Spiritual Awakening for Geeks. And I've known him for a while since I've you know came across this website. And something about his story and his approach to things like meditation and even the concept of awakening was very appealing to me because it was very sort of grounded. It had little to no nonsense or new agey stuff attached to it as far as I could tell. And Jacob seemed very reasonable and logical. And for someone who is interested in things like meditation but no longer has an affinity for the unscientific aspects that sometimes come with uh, spirituality, this website was a really interesting one to come across. So I wanted to talk to him for a while and record a conversation. And as you'll hear, we jump really straight into the conversation and try to start by defining spirituality or giving it a definition that doesn't involve necessarily any supernatural beliefs, perhaps, or something too mystical. And we cover a lot of stuff. We go into various tangents uh, through metaphysics and frames of references and the language for things like spiritual experiences or awakening experiences and really get into some interesting weeds in the best sense. This is the kind of fun type of conversations that I like to have. And you'll hear it's far more of a back and forth conversation than an interview per se, which is always what I'm aiming for. I think there are a few terms we mention throughout the conversation that we don't stop to define, unfortunately. I think one of them is Satori and Kensho, which are, um, I believe, from Zen, the, uh, the name for a particular uh, type of experience or spiritual awakening or the first step of enlightenment. Um, and there might be a few others, but for the most part, it's uh, still an approachable conversation, even for people who haven't been meditating or are only starting to get into this um, realm. So it was a fun conversation. And without further ado, I give you Jacob Gottwalls. I thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a chance to talk to you. What would I want to ask you in the sense of, you know, in reflecting about these topics and maybe in the ways that your view of these things is either differs from mine or is more evolved than mine uh, because of experience or because you've thought about it for longer. I guess the place to start is, is some with some definitions. Like as we as we look at either of these subjects, it, it they are so tricky because people use those words in different ways, different contexts. So I know that even if we just take spirituality and or awakening, uh, which are very related. Um, people mean very different things by them and they define them in different ways. So I think that's a really good place to start. Uh, and I can give my definition, uh, but I'm curious to hear your, how, when you say spirituality or awakening, what, what do you mean? Yeah, yeah, sounds good. So um, let's talk about that. Um, Small question. So you know? uh, <laughs> well, maybe do you want to start or should I start? <laughs> you know what? Let me let me um, let me give a brief uh, a brief one, and then you can you can respond to it more uh, uh, interactively. Yeah, great. Spirituality still feels um, it problematic almost, or it has it's dragging with it so much connotation from the past and from religion which I, I have a, an aversion to religion still because of all sorts of, you know, my opinions and life experiences and growing up in Israel and all sorts of other stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And yet there are some things that there is just not a, not a better word for, that, for them. 
and yeah. people who try to talk about them often debate or consider, you know, sh- should I should I make up a new word? And is that now creating a whole other slew of issues? Um, mm-hmm. So we're sort of stuck with spirituality, it seems. Um, but my take is that spirituality is the uh, arena of life in which we dig and learn and uncover some aspects of experience at the core of our our lives uh, that has to do with our ourselves and that's very generic what i would say let um, let me see if i can dig even deeper because it it has for me again from my understanding or my my perspective it has a lot to do with consciousness and con uh, uh conscious perception and just our, our core experience of life, the world, and ourselves. And if spirituality is, is some kind of a process or a journey, is evolving that or uncovering more in that in some kind of way. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that sounds okay to me. Um, uh, you know, in a way... Um, I don't know that it matters so much um, Mm. how we define it. Like I'm thinking of, uh, you know, I came up with a definition of spirituality for um, my website, Spiritual Awakening for Geeks. And it actually took me a while. I I thought about it for a while and I ended up, let's see, what did I come up with? Um, I'm just looking at how I defined it on the website. And I think I defined it as the evolution of consciousness towards greater wisdom and compassion. So that's, a, that's a, I think, a pretty common, that wisdom and compassion is a pretty common idea from the Buddhist community. And I didn't really come up with anything better than that. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, you were talking about, um, yeah, you mentioned the word self. Like that was, there was something about the, uh, the concept of self that seemed important to you in relation to um, spirituality. Is that right? Yeah. And I would say specifically because unlike religion or some other endeavors of trying to make the world better or other people better or just impose or, 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 or even give or try to do something for others, spirituality to me really has to do with our, our own evolution of consciousness let's say mm-hmm. but maybe but maybe it should go beyond that or maybe there are some incorrect assumptions in there i'm sure we'll we'll get to that but yeah mm-hmm. that's why that's why i was putting the self in there yeah but but let me just point out that you're even without the second part of what you said even just saying of the evolution of consciousness or perhaps i would say even the the purposeful or like active evolution of consciousness mm-hmm. might might be a great kind of a super sum sum up for me. I, I really like that. Okay, yeah. You know, I, I think there's uh, there's something else we can say about spirituality that we haven't said yet, or that maybe we should make explicit. Which is um, there's something about the idea of spirituality that's important to you and to me. I mean, maybe that's a good starting point that we can agree about that. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, I think so. Okay. You you mean in a sense that it might not be for everyone? No, I guess where I'm going with this is um, there's something about that word or that concept that actually brought you and me together, right? Yeah. So there's something about it that um, that was important enough to me to make a website about it. And it was important enough to you to, uh, you know, to engage with me um, through that website. Uh, So I'm just wondering, um, aside from how we define it, maybe we could get a little bit more personal with it and say, what what is it that's important about spirituality to you and to me? Sure. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, that's a, that's that's a great. You want to you want to give it a go? Or should I start? <laughs> <laughs> well, you started last time. Maybe I should start. I suspect that that ours are different, but we'll we'll find out soon. Uh, oh, you you suspect that what's important to you about it is is different than what's important to me? Maybe, or maybe just on the surface. But I, it's it's um, I might be proven wrong in just a minute. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'm thinking about when did that word become important to me because it wasn't always important to me. When I was growing up, uh, 
I'd say science was probably, um, that was pretty important to me as opposed to spirituality. And, um, and I actually, spirituality to me had a kind of negative connotation when I was growing up. It's not something that I sought out. Um, it's something that I was pretty skeptical about. And I'm thinking, when did that shift for me? Because it did shift at some point. And I think it was in my early 30s, probably. And where I was at that point in my life, I was in Silicon Valley. I was working um, at a big company in the semiconductor industry. And I was feeling pretty drained. I was feeling kind of disillusioned with my career and um, really looking for something else, something more beyond the kind of rational approach to life that I had taken up to that point. Um, the first thing that caught my attention was, um, was actually a self-help or a personal growth practice called nonviolent communication that's basically focused on um, helping us get more empathic and improve relationships and communicate better. There was something about that uh, focus on emotions and relationships uh, that um, seemed really important and that was kind of missing from my life. And there was an idea within that, the community of people who practice that, that uh, you could actually adopt nonviolent communication as a spiritual practice. You could think of it as a, a personal growth practice, but I, I guess that's the first point at which... Um, the idea of spirituality got connected with something that was um, really important to me or that I was really feeling drawn toward. Then through that community, I started running into people who meditated um, and I had never really interacted with anyone who meditated up until that point. And I found that I actually liked these people and, <laughs> and, you know, I didn't find them weird or, um, you know, I actually liked them more than a lot of the pe other people around me. And I was like, huh, there's, what is it about these people that I'm liking? Um, I ended up getting connected with, um, the work of Ken Wilber, um, through that, through some people in that community, uh, who were also into his work. And that really opened things up for me because um, he kind of bridged the gap between um, science and um, this thing called spirituality, which, you know, we still haven't really defined yet. So there was something about that, about his approach to trying to explain things clearly and to make some kind of sense of spirituality, meditation, mysticism that um, I started getting the sense that there was something more to life, uh, like a whole new side to life that uh, that I was only just vaguely aware of that um, I might be able to access through spiritual practice and meditation. And that really caught my attention. I guess that's the point at which you could say I became a seeker, um, seeking something that I wasn't even really clear what it was I was seeking. And I think what I was seeking was um, maybe connected to this thing we were talking about with evolution of consciousness. Like I was seeking a new way of experiencing life or different ways of experiencing life that were um, different than what I was used to or, you know, what I grew up with. Um, and I don't know what it was about that that really drew me to it, but there was something about it that um, it caught my attention enough that I um, eventually quit my job, um, partly just to have more time for spiritual practice. But I think there was, there was something about um, my own evolution of consciousness and wanting to devote attention to that, that was just, um, was seemed really important to me for some reason. And um, I don't know if I can say exactly why, but, um, but it, it sure did. It sure, it sure was important to me. So how about you? How about, I mean, I wonder if any of that um, feels similar to your experience. Yeah, yeah. And actually, and there's a lot of parallels. Oddly enough, some, some, of, some of them are very specific and, and in other stuff, it's a little different. Um, but it, reminds, it reminded me now that of why when I came across Spiritual Awakening for Geeks, your website, um, why I felt so much affinity and reading, reading your sort of story uh, and why I was kind of drawn to it uh, as well. And there's, there's many other reasons, but this is a big part of, of it is that for me, 
and and I'll just sort of tell my my little story and why spirituality, if if it is anything <laughs> of that sort, is is still something I I pursue. Is that I from and again I I also started with with science and I didn't initially realize why I'm so fascinated with science, but I just wanted I was looking for answers and it occurred to me last week I went to this it's called an escape room I don't know if you you know about these it's a it's a new awesome form of entertainment where you and a bunch of your friends or some strangers are put in a room and you have to basically solve a puzzle to get out of the room or quote-unquote diffuse a bomb it's like interactive uh, storytelling it's it's really awesome but it occurred to me that it, it addresses in a large scale what I call the now what problem and and the way I describe it is that it doesn't it doesn't occur to us at once but but for some people one day you sort of look back and realize that you find yourself existing in a world and you don't really know much about it and there's a lot of assumptions just because you sort of grew up in it slowly but surely so you're used to a lot of it and you take a lot of things for granted but it suddenly occurred to me like I exist here I am and I have desires and aversions and and I think I know things and so on but but now what like what do I do here and and for me the world at some point became this escape room this puzzle that just like that that room in the game I suddenly find myself in here and <laughs> instead of just sitting down on the couch and just accepting that I live in this room I want to know why am I here and not to get out of it but I but suddenly suddenly just taking it for granted that I just exist and it's, it's all lovely uh, and let's get a job and get married and then die, that just suddenly, that didn't seem like, uh, that just seemed weird to me. And I wanted to know the answers. If there are answers, if there's somebody could find out the answer, I wanted to know at least as many answers as, as, as I could. And if there is some kind of form of ultimate answer, I wanted to know that. And so I turned to science like most people and science is getting pretty far and it will get even further. I don't know how far it will get, but the science itself, the mechanism is brilliant. And when I, when I basically realized that it didn't have all the answers, or I also realized that personally, I was still miserable because I felt like nobody really knows the answers. Why are we here? What's going on here? What is the universe? Why does it exist? Why is there something instead of nothing? And I sort of gave up, but I was, I was uh, miserable. And then I came across... Uh, Ken Wilber's material. I don't even remember how. I think my dad just sent, sent me his audio stuff. And that was amazing because that was someone who was obviously extremely intelligent and put together this map that looks both at the physical world and science, but this missing piece supposedly about you know our existence in the world and consciousness and awareness and meditation and possibly, at least the claim is that some answers can be can be found, and there are maybe some form of ultimate or ultimate-ish answers. And what ignited me about meditation and digging into spirituality is the hope to find the older man answer, and now I would say at least some answers about, at the very least, if not the universe, is my own existence. Uh-huh. Um, so that, that's the, that's a short version of it, but I'm still, I'm still immersed in this gigantic universe sized escape room. Uh, and I'm trying to solve some of the puzzles at least, or the one that relates to me the most. <laughs> um, and that, I, I find that fascinating. I can, I can no longer something, something sort of switch and I can no longer say, Hey, I'm conscious whether I want to or not. It's just it's just on. This thing is just on all the time, practically. Uh, how come? What is this? Why? Um, and and that's and here we are. And here we are in spirituality. And I still I still the word spirituality is still tricky for me because I feel like every time I talk about it, I want to apologize for using that word. But again, there is no better word for what I'm doing as far as I can tell. And everybody who is doing something similar to what I'm doing, even if they're doing it slightly differently, because uh, I, I more easily throw away stuff like, you know, some metaphysical claims that are not, not easily supported, uh, karma, reincarnation, other stuff. I used to be all into that, but I'm, I'm a little more selective. Uh, however, there are things that are hard to explain, maybe impossible to explain, 
and yet they are fundamental to our existence and our experience, our first-person sort of immediate experience, uh, and those interest me the most. And so here we are digging into uh, spirituality and trying to, I don't know, evolve consciousness until we see things more clearly. I, I don't know. It's... So there's so for you, there's something about this idea of answers yes. that um, seems connected with spirituality in some way. Yeah. Is that right? Yes, because almost almost when I when I when I try to understand what do I okay, the uh, back to the now what? Like when I said, okay, I exist, here I am in whatever form this is, now what? Mm-hmm. And when I tried to look at what do I want from this point or what can I even conceive of what I might want at this point? Now what? Uh, it all boils down to two things which might be actually one and the same. I want to be happy and I want to know the truth. Mm. That's all. That's at the bottom of every everything that I do are these two things as far as I can tell. And I also suspect that one might be connected to the other in some way or might, might lead to another. I'm not sure. Um, mm-hmm. But this, this I want to know the truth. Like people, a lot of people meditate and, and, and are into spirituality to... Uh, feel better to improve themselves to improve the environment to be compassionate to do good all of that those are those are there for me but they're secondary and and there is this incessant (laughs) compelling desire to know the truth Mm -hmm. um of any form to any extent uh and that's the main drive yeah well i think that's uh that's a great drive might be a good segue to awakening if you want to dig into that well, um, let's uh, let's just stick with this a, a little bit more. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, for you, the the thing that you want the answer to is um, the question: Now what? Is that right? Not really. Now what is just and now what is one of two is one of two options, or, or I would put it this way: Now what exists almost in any given moment because I again I exist and, and there are condi- present conditions. So, okay, what do I do? And at any given point, I can ask myself this question again and figure out what, because I had, I had the moment, I had the thought of forget trying to find answers. I, I can't find the answers. I've tried and it doesn't seem like anybody else has the answer. Some people claim, but I don't believe most of them. Um, then if I can't find the answer and nobody else has the answers, maybe I should just find a way to be content. Because when I'm content, I don't even I'm, I might not even care whether I have the answers or not. When I'm happy or content or good or joyful or when things are, let's say, positive in, in an overall way, then I almost don't care. And maybe that's sufficient. So maybe, let, maybe I should just settle on being happy or content or something like that instead of trying to find the answer. So there's always this, should I just throw it all away and just search for happiness in some form? Okay. Yeah. Uh huh. Happiness and truth, right? Well, uh, like, or does the does the truth connect to the answers part? I believe that if I find out some kind of truth, that will make me happy. But I don't know that uh-huh. for a fact. <laughs> uh huh. Uh-huh. But I know that if I were somehow to now take a magic pill that would just make me content, I might not care anymore about finding out the truth. Uh huh. So it sounds like it's it's maybe kind of shifted for you a bit. Now you're you're headed more toward um, seeking happiness. Is that right? No, no, I, I'm still, I'm still, so let me, let me put it this way. I, I'm doing both. I'm doing both because uh, I still, um, you know, I still enjoy life and suffer from it uh, in, in different intervals and I can't help but, but want to enjoy it and try to be happy. Um, mm-hmm. And it just so happens that everybody who, uh, has meditated for a very long time and has maybe find out some kind of truth or another claims that that's the only way to escape uh, the um, you know unsatisfactoriness of having a human body and a human brain and and um, and fighting with with trying to chase desires because I, de- I definitely recognize the the futility of of just trying to get more and more positive moments in life in some in some way it's just it's just endless and sure maybe I can just get at least 50%, you know, joy in life and have it, have it balanced, which on its own seems extremely uh, difficult. But maybe if I also just chase the truth far enough, I will get both. Yeah. Okay. And I, and I, and I, I'll admit, I worry 
that that's something I've con- just convinced myself of and may or may not be the truth. Um, what kind of truth are you looking for? Like, have you found any of it yet? Um, I feel like there's a, both an increasing and a diminishing ignorance. Mm-hmm. Uh, have I found, no, I, I don't think I found any, any, wow, that's a, that's a tough question because in some ways yeah. I feel like I've learned more about some of the sort of details of within life and within my brain and awareness and consciousness. And in, in some sense, I feel like I'm still so far off and not even close that I'm not sure. There, there, it, there hasn't been something that's big enough that I can say, okay, here we are. Now we're, now we're, the, we're in the right territory. What about you? Do, do, you, have you, have you? do you consider anything that you've discovered along this path as finding out a truth? Or in a more or more, um, I don't know, significant fundamental kind of truth doesn't have to be ultimate truth. Uh, yeah, you know, I I think I have. There was a point at which something shifted for me, um, and that seeking process that um, uh, that started when I ran into Ken Wilber's work, um, that seeking uh, shifted. And it's not that there aren't things that I'm still seeking or still, uh, you know, I have still have plenty way to go, uh, to develop myself in all kinds of different ways. But, um, yeah, something shifted for me around, um, this one particular thing that I was seeking and I actually have a word for it now. Um, I would call it insight. I didn't know that that's what I was seeking, but that was kind of the first, that, that was what was really driving me was to get some clarity in relation to this thing that I call insight. So yeah, I think something, something did shift for me and, and I actually did find what I was looking for. That's good news. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was a relief too. Um, uh, because it's a really uncomfortable place to, to know that, to, to have a sense that there's something important there and I just can't see it. You know? <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> right. But, but you, uh, you, do you separate insight from, I mean, cause, cause, cause encountering Ken Wilber's material and I feel that I've revised my outlook on, or, or my understanding of such concepts since, but that one really got me hell bent on the concept of enlightenment and some kind of mm-hmm. big ultimate, in some ways, final, I don't know, uh, awakening or enlightenment or, or achievement, internal achievement that reveals the story. And I'm, I'm no longer certain that it, 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 it's, it's as I've envisioned it and as I framed it in that sense. Mm-hmm. Can, can you, uh, just so that I can, um, I, I think I know what you're talking about, but can, what was it in Ken Wilber's work that gave you that sense? Like, what, um, was there a particular idea or, or what was it? Yeah, it's the, um, the, I don't remember if he defines enlightenment straight up, but his, his talk, he's talking about um, Satori, or I can quote some phrases where, you know, if I, again, I'm paraphrasing, but if I remember correctly, it is describing that you discover, you know, that you are the entire universe in some sense. Mm. Uh, and that sounds, you know, that's almost sounds like a too good of a story because we, most of us feel like we are this little tiny insignificant thing. And that's the, you know, discovering that you are the entire universe dreaming yourself or an end everybody else is like this grandiose, suddenly I'm elevating myself to, oh, sure, I'll believe that I'm God in some <laughs> sense. Or I would, that's very tempting. That's very appealing. Uh-huh. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm weary of it. Mm-hmm. But it's the same kind of thing that a lot of other people describe, like Alan Watts, in a sense, you know, saying, uh, you are this universe. And, and the, the story that, that formed in my mind is that it, it's like taking the, the micro and, and the macro. So in the micro... I am a person and I am dreaming in, during sleep and the entire environment, the entire universe that I'm dreaming is, is basically self-manifested. I created it in my mind in some sense and I'm walking in there and I'm everything mm. in, in some sense. And the macro is to say, 
the universe, whatever it is, and whether or there are other universes outside the universe, this even beyond us, but the universe is just this, just pure consciousness, and it, uh, the physical universe, it created a physical universe, and that it is the big dream, and through each one of us, it is sort of focal kind of awareness to experience itself through us. And each one of us is none other than the entirety of everything, but just so really, really focused in order, in order to be able to experience it in, in this dreamlike fashion uh, and really believe that we are these individuals and yet we don't realize that we are the entirety of the thing. And it's just for the sake of fun, because dreams are fun. I don't know, something like that. Mm -hmm. So that would be the kind of um, a kind of answer or explanation um, that uh, that you were talking about before. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and, the, and the story is that that there is a way to experience this directly and see it for yourself. Uh huh. Uh huh. Right. Very tempting story to to, to believe in. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's, it's, I think, I mean, that's the kind of thing that caught my attention too in, uh, in Ken Wilber's work. You know, he was uh, clearly um, pretty grounded in science and yet he would come up with these things that I'm like, whoa, what is that? Um, I want to experience that. I think that something that's kind of tricky here is all of this stuff is pretty subtle and hard to kind of put your finger on and hard to explain. And so I think people who have experienced these things tend to explain them in kind of poetic terms that, that kind of gives you a sense of what the experience is like, um, but is also open to um, misinter misinterpretation. Yes. Yeah, that's one of my concerns about all this. And then there's another piece, too, I think that I think it's important to be aware of or to be careful of, which is distinguishing between what we could call metaphysics or um, frames of reference. In other words, ways of explaining or thinking about what we experience on the one hand, and then just experience itself on the other hand. Yeah. Insight as I define it, is about really looking closely at um, experience, awareness, self, and reality, those things, and looking at how they relate with each other. And metaphysics is, or um, frames of reference, is something kind of totally different, <laughs> uh, but kind of related in some ways. And, the, and the, would you say that those things are by definition, uh, subjective and, and turn to interpretation, open to interpretation? Not necessarily. Which things? Um, so frames, frames of reference mm -hmm. uh, seems this, this malleable open thing. Like I've been thinking uh, lately how I find it confusingly so that I am able to argue two conflicting points and while I'm arguing one or the other, I am convinced by it and I can switch and I, I no longer feel like I know which one is truer. Ah, <laughs> I mean, like, that's frame of reference, right? <laughs> yeah, those are two frames of reference, right? So it feels, it feels like subjective. It feels open-ended and there is no, just no it's not grounded in, in, some, in, in sort of some solid kind of thing. That's what I mean by subjective. Yeah, well, I think that's a, actually that is a very good thing to notice and an important thing to notice. Something that um, I became clear about at some point is that there is no ultimate frame of reference. Mm. Um, and that's, I think, what you're pointing to when you say it feels ungrounded. Because if it were um, grounded, I think what you mean by that is that um, you would have some way of kind of evaluating these two things um, and deciding which is better or something like that. Yeah, I mean, is, is it not otherwise in some ways paralyzing? Like, how do you make this decisions how do you know what's a better approach uh -huh. or what's a right up if there's if there is a right approach i mean yeah. it, it becomes very, very well, difficult right it becomes um if you're relying on reason alone it becomes impossible once you kind of get clear about this i think the answer is just stop relying on reason alone interesting well that's yeah 
<laughs> that's a that's a challenge on its own, but uh, one thing at a time. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, see, I mean I, that that goes into intuition, some other stuff. I mean, I, I think one thing I should say is that um, as far as insight goes, I have done my absolute best to describe um, my understanding of insight my experience of insight and practices that people can do to cultivate insight, um, on my website, spiritual awakening for geeks. Um, I'm sure it is, it, you know, there's, uh, it probably has a long way to go in terms of like, it could be improved or whatever, but I've done my best to explain it there. And it's really hard to try to explain it kind of off the cuff yeah, uh, of in course. a conversation. <laughs> of course. No, I know. It's very extensive uh, on your website. I actually, I love it. I think it's a, okay. it's a phenomenal endeavor in trying to, to put words to these things that are mm-hmm. really, really subtle and really complex and really um, words just, just can't go far enough to try to um, encapsulate them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it's important still to, to try to, uh, encapsulate them because that's what, um, we we need words, I think, to get started in something, to even decide, is this uh, a place I want to go? We need something to get started. And, um, for people who like me and maybe like you, who kind of approach things intellectually at first, we want words to, um, as a first step, so I think the words are important. Yeah, let me let me throw this at you and, and tell me what you think because it's 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 this thing that from my current vantage point it's hard for me to judge, but but I do have a feeling or an intuition or a worry that uh, let me let me put it this way. So there's there's the aspect of you know people are having experiences in meditation, let's say, or even even other uh, other conditions of uh, you know extreme extreme. Uh, external conditions, uh, heat or stress or something like that, or on, you know, psycho- psychedelic drugs or other stuff like that, where the experiences themselves are so vastly different than what we're used to. And they are also so like the, the volume on intensity. And, uh, and I don't know, there's, there's like a, a volume knob of, of, I don't know, uh, profundity seems to be cranked up all the way. And so, Coming back from those experiences, that seems to inform a lot of people through interpretation of a previous worldview, perhaps, although it, it changes often, seems to inform them about metaphysics. And, and Ken Wilber describes this beautifully in the sense of somebody who's having a particular type of experience but comes from Christianity might, sout, might now believe that they either talk to Jesus or they are Jesus or if a person from India or you know Buddhist or this or that they'll interpret it from their framework which is again one thing and my concern is that even if my worry is that even if I were to experience some of these things even though I've thought about frames of reference and I thought about frameworks and and previous I would still fall uh, prey to the to this interpretation thing so there's a fear that I won't actually know what the hell is going on but maybe I'll know something. And what would happen if you fell prey to the interpretation thing? What would be the problem there? Yeah, I have a fear of being ignorant and not knowing it or being wrong and not knowing it. Uh, okay. So, so you're saying that your interpretation could be wrong. Yes. Yeah. The, the experience is the experience, but yeah. 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 Well, that is, I think, a really important thing to recognize. And um, from my perspective, I can guarantee you that your interpretation will be wrong. And it's it, it doesn't have anything about to do with you. It has to do with the nature of interpretations themselves. When we try to explain things conceptually and come up with conceptual maps uh, um, that make sense of things, those maps themselves I think of it as um, they shine a light on certain truths. They they shine a light on certain experiences and reveal certain things, but they also hide certain things. So there will be, no matter how you interpret something, no matter what worldview or uh, metaphysical map you come up with, it's going to be incomplete. It's going to be, it's going to, and there's, there's things it's going to miss. And that doesn't mean we shouldn't come up with them. I, and I don't think we can, there, we can't live life without coming up with these frames of reference. And so I think it's important. And, um, that is a, an entirely different endeavor than it, what I call insight. 
insight um, for me is um, well for for one thing one part one part of it is understanding the lim- these limitations that I'm talking about uh, limitations of um, frames of reference and um, the limitations it, it's uh, understanding and coming it's kind of like coming to the end of what we can do with the rational mind, just hitting the end of that and realizing, oh, well, now I, now I can see what, what, uh, the rational mind can do and what it can't do. And I can stop trying to make my rational mind do things that it's just not going to be able to do. (laughs) I don't know if that makes any sense. No, I think I know what you mean. I mean, even, even just, uh, language being dualistic and people talking about, things that don't don't really fall into that framework like non-dual experience which is again a dualistic word because it it's only in comparison to dualistic stuff so it's non-dual but dual so i understand the 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 sort of limit of a cognitive framework or a language uh based explanation and so on but that also brings me to another another issue that i was trying to to touch it with this is and again this this feels I'm going to apologize in advance because I see the, I, I suspect that I am being presumptuous in hubris, uh, even in thinking the following, but it's been, it's been nagging in my brain, is that I have a, a certain perspective of how life seems to me right now. And some of the descriptions of insight and awakening and uh, experiences or points of view uh, past a certain point of evolution of development of consciousness or evolution of consciousness or some of these significant experiences satori kensho whatnot that is so hard to imagine these the way these are described are are very hard to imagine and i almost in and and in trying to how do i how do i put it in trying to map out or consolidate how things seem now and how people are describing them to seem and again they're describing them in whatever words they have uh, it's hard to consolidate, and so I keep wondering. And again, this this will sound funny. I keep wondering if people who pass that point simply do not no longer remember experientially, like the feeling of how it used to feel, and so they can no longer explain in the in the past language, in in the language that only people who have not passed this point can explain, and maybe partially that's why it's so hard to explain. Um, because I, I, here's the hubris part. I am convinced and I, am, and I understand how ridiculous this thought is because I don't have the experience that once I pass this point, I will be able to explain it better than anybody else to somebody <laughs> who is in my, in my condition. And I'm sure I'm wrong uh-huh. about this. And yet I, I so, I'm so convinced for some silly reason, I don't even know why. There's, it's just, it feels like something is missing from the language in which everything is described. Oh, I think, I I think there's probably a lot missing. Um, uh, and that's, you know, that was part of my motivation for creating spiritual awakening for geeks was that I had such a hard time understanding this stuff and practice doing insight practice, even understanding what it was that uh, I was supposed to do. It was so much work. I thought that I could do, um, I could at least attempt to do a clear, make it clearer. I think it's a great motivation or a great idea to, to try to, to do it one better. I mean, I think that's what all spiritual teachers have been doing from, you know, from the beginning is just try to do a little better job than their teachers did. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it's picking up (laughs) (laughs) because I think that for the longest time, uh, the lineages for probably for good reasons have tried to keep things static and the same so it will it will not lose something in a sense but but it does need to evolve and so it does need to change and it's i think it's finally happening with with people like you and kenneth folk and buddhist geeks and and many others uh, actually to be honest but here is something that that the one of the biggest parts that that seems to be missing for me is that i've not encountered yet a convincing or or even a clear story of the change that happens. And I understand that we don't know the mechanism in the brain and those kind of stuff. And we're trying to look into that. Like scientists are looking at brains of people who have meditated for a long time and so on. But um, when I, when I hear people, I keep asking people like who meditate or who teach meditation, why do you meditate? What, why, why are you telling me to meditate? Like, why are we meditating? And I'm not talking about just the people who 
are trying to tell me, oh, it, you will be more calm, you will feel more serenity and peace and blah, blah, blah. I'm talking about the people who are selling, quote unquote, selling awakening, enlightenment, insight, and so on. When I'm told the mechanism of like, here's what you should do in meditation, here's the meditation you should do. And I ask, why does that action would result in what you are describing to be the result? I am not seeing the connection. And that's, that's, a, that's the biggest one for me that I've, that I've yet to understand. Uh, let's stick noting, for example, which I, makes, makes a lot of sense to me in some ways. I still don't see why noting or even why mindfulness in general should change anything that will, I'll put it this way, why would it, after a very long time, change something so fundamentally about how I perceive things or myself or the world or whatnot, but doesn't in the instant that I practice it right now, let's say. I'm, that, that is a, a big missing piece that nobody seems to be able to answer in a way that makes sense to me. Well, uh, I have an answer. Yeah, go for it, please. Awesome. <laughs> uh, at least in my model, in my way of thinking about things, mindfulness is a prerequisite for insight, but it's not enough just in and of itself. Insight requires some kind of engagement of the rational mind. It requires some kind of questioning, uh, some kind of engagement of the rational mind in order to come up and hit that limit of um that I'm that I've been talking about. I don't know. Does that make any sense? Well, uh, let me put it in the in the in the, maybe in the form that I'm now sort of thinking about and exploring because I'm trying to I'm trying to fill in the gap myself. I'm trying to 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 come up with a theory of the mechanism. And so I'm thinking, for example, that there are habits of mind. Okay, the way the way we think about or perceive things under the surface, where we're not really truly aware that that's the mechanism that's, that's at work here. Um, and so we're blind to it, okay? And in, in, in trying to poke at that or trying to look at it from a different angle or actually look at it for the first time, it starts to break down or it starts to change. But to, but to actually, to the extent that it actually is making a change in the brain, that it's just some point it's just sort of snaps out of its stronghold and something physically shifts. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know if that's too generic or doesn't really make sense, but no, I, I think that that does um, make a lot of sense. I mean, you're when you say something physically shifts, you're um, kind of um, grounding it in a um, materialist sort of frame of reference, yeah. um, which which is okay. Um, but your sense of looking at it in terms of habits of um, habits of perception. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot about how we perceive things that is habitual and insight practice reveals those habits and kind of forces us to um, question those habits. Um, and that process of questioning, like I, I um, it kind of loosens things up and allows things to shift and become um, it, it frees things up in a way. But do you do you think that that's uh, strictly a gradual thing or that the gradual part culminates in a in a stage like something snaps like something just changes drastically because what i'm what i'm missing is why doing it for five minutes doesn't work but doing it for 500 hours does well you know i i think for one thing it it varies from person to person maybe for one person it could work in five minutes yeah i keep reading those stories <laughs> <laughs> And uh, but but going back to the other part of what you asked, which is the, the idea of kind of gradual versus sudden. Um, and I'm trying to think of some kind of natural analogy of like um, I'm thinking of natural processes that and I, I don't there's nothing that's coming to mind off the top of my head. And this is probably something I should try to think more about. But if you think of cycles or patterns in nature, do they shift gradually or suddenly? Um, I, I think uh, it's kind of a combination. Um, and uh, looking back on my own experience, there was a point at which things seemed to start shifting very quickly. <laughs> and, and it's like, it, I think it was um, a, a sense of uh, patterns, kind of habits or patterns disintegrating or falling apart. And it was actually a very kind of um, exciting time. I mean, there's a lot when those patterns fall apart, I think that it's very energizing in a way. 
And it was also kind of confusing um, to try to make sense of all that. But it, it wasn't like an instantaneous thing for me. Um, there was it, it wasn't like wasn't like getting hit on the head suddenly mm, with some mystical hammer. No, I don't. I don't think so. No. I mean, I wonder if reading all the stories about somebody opening a Zen poem book and suddenly everything flipped upside down, and you know, those stories tend to stand out often enough, but maybe they are the outliers rather than the, the common case, but the gradual, you know, shift, even if it, even if the gradual suddenly has maybe like a week in which things suddenly happen faster and faster, those we don't hear about that often. And so our, our view of what, what those shifts are, are skewed. It could be, but you know, even within my own process, I think there were things that shifted very suddenly. Like, I don't know if you've ever had the, I, I'm sure you've had the experience of, and I think we all have, of believing something to be true. Um, and then at some, at some point you realize that it's not. And that realization can, that, that realization, oh, that's not true. That happens pretty fast. Yeah. Maybe instantly. Um, does does this, does this sound familiar? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think so. And the, the, oddly, the cases that stand out the most in that ca- in that sense is is discovering that you lied to yourself somehow. Oh, yeah. Like how is that? How is that? How is that possible? Uh-huh. Like how? How I knew I knew that was wrong, and yet I told myself and I believed it. And now I see that I've done it and suddenly, but I'm, but I'm just, just ridiculous. I don't, I don't know how to digest that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and there it is. <laughs> uh-huh. But that, I think those happen when they happen, those sudden ha- happen kind of suddenly. Yeah, which is, yeah, sure. And I, I actually, you know, the idea of um, realizing that um, you lied to yourself is uh, actually, I think, very closely related to insight. It's like realizing that some things that you thought were very, were, were true about yourself actually aren't. <laughs> okay, yeah. That's that's what I keep hearing, and that's I mean that's interesting. That's I never thought about that. That's very interesting. The 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 big lies, self lies. <laughs> yeah, and they're they're not really a lie. Isn't quite the right word. Maybe or maybe it's more like a misunderstanding or a, or a um, partial understanding or something like that. Yeah, yeah. That that you get kind of a more complete picture of. Yeah, illusion or illusions. Uh, the word often works and I, and I see why people use that is that it's something that it's not that doesn't exist. It's just, it's not what it looks like. And you're, you're, it's again, it's a matter of misinterpretation or misunderstanding, like you say, uh, and suddenly seeing it for what it is or more clearly or, or, um, uh, maybe, um, getting a more expansive view of it. So you can kind of, um, see it in context or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's just, uh, it's such a puzzle that when these things are, are pointed out, they still, like I always think about, um, and again, when, when I was listening, this sort of circles back, I don't know if it's too big of a tangent, but when I was first listening to Ken Wilber and uh, in, in hearing the description of enlightenment in the form of, you know, waking up to the realization that this is just sort of kind of a big dream, the reason I, I really suddenly even considered that that's possibly true and that things are not the way they seem is because I've had that experience in a micro. Like in a dream, becoming lucid is, you know, suddenly nothing changes in the environment. You're still in the dream. The, the dream goes on. The dream doesn't change. Only you suddenly somehow the, the metadata of your information about your situation changes and changes drastically. Suddenly, what you believed a moment ago to be real life, you realize it's just a dream and it's so clear to you and you're like, how did I fall for this? And, and that it was sort of the way enlightenment was described to me. And I was like, well, if it happened to me in a dream and I, you know, then maybe, maybe there is something to it here. And yet, all, all it takes in a dream is for somebody to tell you, hey, you're dreaming, or for you to question it for a second, and boom, it snaps. But in real life, people can tell you, oh, this is just a dream, and you're, it's an illusion of the self, and this and that, and you stare at it for hours and hours, and nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing, nothing gives. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think there are, there. there's definitely some similarities um, in the experience of... Um, of becoming lucid in a dream, at least in, in my experience, um, because I, I have lucid dreams every now and then. 
And there's something, there is something similar uh, in, in how it feels to become lucid um, and to um, kind of um, shift to a higher level of insight. I'm not sure exactly what that is. What so I'm asking myself, you know, there's there's some similarities and there's some differences. Uh, you just pointed to one of the differences, which is that um, it's a little harder. Like for most of us, the insight is harder than um, becoming lucid. And but it, as far as what's similar, I, I've been asking myself this over the last few weeks. Um, as I've you know, I knew that um, we'd be talking about this stuff, and. Uh, I think something that happens for me, I don't know if this happens for you, but when I become lucid in a dream, suddenly I get a lot more interested in the subjective experiences that I'm having in the actual, because it is so amazing that there's this entire world or universe um, that's like, where is it coming from? Yeah. You know? yes. <laughs> it's like, it's there and it's so clear, often more vivid yep. than, um, than waking life. Totally. And it's like, where is this, where is this coming from? So I start really, I, I think what happens for me is I get really mindful when I become lucid. The, 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 the biggest example of that that happened to me early on is, um, me running around in the dream, realizing that it was a dream, and then suddenly realizing that I am not looking through my eyes, but I am looking through some vantage point in the sky. Uh -huh. And so the attention to where the perception of the dream is coming from suddenly was jarring and different and, and, and curious, yeah. um, which made me even ponder it uh, uh, further. I was like, wait a minute, this is not standard by any means. Uh -huh. Yeah. Someone, one of my mentors said something to me once that um, I, I found pretty profound and um, really kind of uh, stimulating in a way, which is from the perspective of insight practice, um, there is really no difference between waking life and dreaming. Um, and I was like, huh, <laughs> uh, that was, um, that kind of got me thinking. I mean, I, I am curious about the idea, and I've heard this before, Again, if you're running around in life as a person with a personality and you think you are the thing that's perceiving everything and having experiences, this little guy that I am and I'm used to being, um, but in a dream you might be somebody else, you might be something else, uh, you might not even be present. Like last night I had a dream where um, I, uh, two nights ago, I wasn't even, me as Jay was not even in there. I guess I was perceiving, but that's the point, that it's been pointing out that that which is perceiving both the dream and waking life is not your little personality, but that is consistent between, that's the only consistent point between the two, in a sense. And that's the thing to focus on. So I'm wondering if there's some kind of a connection to that. I, I think so. Um, I, the question that comes to mind for me is, in a dream, what can you say for sure about the dream, about what you're experiencing? Well, this isn't it the same thing that I can say in waking life that I am experiencing? <laughs> no, I, I yeah, don't know. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah. I think that's true. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's, there, about, that's about it. There um, is experience. Um, mm -hmm. I, I still have a hard time separating it than I exist or something. I mean, there is, there is this a sense of I in some sense, again, uh, some people will have an experience that that's not that case, but from my experience so far, uh, there is a, a, always some kind of an eye, even if I don't notice it um, or think about it or pay attention to it at any given time. So I could be wrong about that, but 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 there is experience. That's all I. That's all. Something exists. Maybe we could say there is experience, and sometimes part of your experience uh, is the experience of an eye. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's an interesting one, uh, as you know, that I've been dealing with a lot lately because it is becoming clearer and clearer that the experience of an eye is something that I am aware of, and yet and yet it's sort of the stickiest of of experience. It's like it's um, it's like so close to my face that I can't that I can't really see it clearly, but I also can't remove it <laughs> from my point of view. It's uh -huh. it's weird, but. Um, but yeah, that, that does sound accurate to say. I, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what if you don't try to remove it, but um, just uh, see it as another experience? Yeah, that's what I've been, that's what I've been trying to do. Yeah. Uh, that's what I've been doing for the uh -huh. past uh, 
couple months intensely. Okay, good. <laughs> at any any give a chance I get. Um, this is a perfect place to stop, and if we feel so inclined in the future, we can have a uh, a round two. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun, and um, I I would like that. So let's plan on it. Awesome! This has been tremendously fun. Thank you for agreeing to do this little experiment uh, with me. I've enjoyed it. Okay, you bet. Talk to you later, Jay. So I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. You can find his website at spiritualawakeningforgeeks.com and it's Awakening Geeks on Twitter. I'll put some links in the show notes. If you'd like to hear more conversations like this, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to support it, you can do it at lastturtle.com support. Until next round, thanks for listening. <laughs>